Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Today, uh, I am excited because it is part two of our series that Pastor Carson, our youth and young adult pastor, started last week called All That Matters. And what a great job he did kicking off this series last week. Uh, And he talked about, uh, and our series is, is about what matters to God. And we're talking about what matters to God and should in turn matter to us. So as we seek to know what matters to God, it should become a thing that matters to us. What matters to him should matter to us. And I encourage you, if you didn't listen to that message, uh, you don't have to leave right now and go watch this one online too. You can go back uh, and watch that uh, week one. You don't have to leave for week two, uh, but you can go back and watch week one on, on our podcast or our YouTube channel. I encourage you to do that because it was phenomenal. But last week, <clears throat> he talked about how we should be focused on eternity, how as Christians and as followers of God, that eternity is the finish line. And he used this rope to describe eternity, and he said that the rope went uh, on and on, and that represents eternity. But on the rope had this small little red piece, and he said that that's our life compared to eternity, and our lives should be focused on the finish line of eternity. And then he also said what matters to God he is that he has a heart for people. And I love this quote that he said, and probably one of the greatest things that he said last week, he said a lot of great things, but one of the greatest things that he said is you can't take anything with you to eternity, but you can take people, and that's what matters to God. We, he wants us to take people with us to heaven. He wants, to, wants us to live our lives in a ways that lead people to Jesus, so they go to heaven with us. And so it was a great message, but he ended his message last week with this quote that I'm going to start my message with today, and it's by Rich Velotis that says this, I have learned repeatedly that it's much easier to preach the kingdom of God than to live it. I have learned repeatedly that it's much easier to preach the kingdom of God or, or, or to talk about God and following God than it is to live it. So he's ultimately saying, and we've heard this quote multiple times in our life, uh, that it's easier to talk the talk than it is to walk the walk, am I right? A lot of times it's easier to talk the talk about being great at football until you have to go out on the field and be great at football. Everybody say roll tide with me. Uh, I, I, all right, you don't have to boo me off the stage. <laughs> uh, but it's easier to talk about being great at something or being a follower of God until you actually have to walk out following God. It's much easier to talk the talk than it is to walk the walk. And how many people, how many people in this world that we know love to talk the talk, but don't love walking the walk? And they especially don't love you talking to them about their walk. Come on, somebody. We know, we know that's true. They don't like, they don't like it if we say, hey, you, you know, you're talking like this, but your, your life is not living this way. I, th- I think you should change some things, or I think you should uh, live it out what you're talking about. They don't love that. But it's hard sometimes to not only talk the talk, but to walk the walk. So today, we are focused and going to be focused on that living it out piece of what matters to God, living out what matters to God and how it should matter to us and living that out in our daily lives. As we focus on what matters to God, eternity, 
people that matter to God? How do we live a life of significance? How do we make a difference in this world? How do we make a difference on job sites? How do we make a difference in our family that changes our families for generations to come? How do we make a difference in our marriages? And how do we make a difference and and live a life of significance in our community as we go to ball games and as uh, we go to the grocery store, as we go to and from wherever we may go on our daily life? How do we make an impact and, and a significant impact in our lives, and how do we let God use us to make that impact? If you look at the life of Jesus and others in the Bible, there are some common denominators, I would say, uh, that we can pull from to help us live with significance. And today, we're going to look at a story, uh, one of my favorite stories that's found in John 12. Uh, so if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, you can, turn to, you can open those up and turn to John 12. But this story we learn how to live with significance in our life. And we learn two lessons that we're gonna pull from the story of how to live with significance in our life. So John 12, verse one through eight, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today, but it says this, it says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard and she anointed Jesus's feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas, the disciple who would soon betray Jesus, said, that perfume is worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the, full, to, the, to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. And Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This is Jesus's words. So in this story, we see a couple different people in this story, am I right? We see, uh, we see of course, we see Jesus, the son of God uh, that was sent for us to die on the cross for our sins. We see Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead. Uh, we see Martha, who was, Martha was serving, uh, and, and we'll see and talk about here in a second that she, if you read about Martha, it seems like she was always serving. Uh, she was serving people food. Uh, she was busy uh, in the kitchen. She was busy serving the people of her house. She was being hospitable, uh, which is not a bad thing. Uh, then you see Judas, who would later betray Jesus. But then you see Mary, Mary, the sister of Lazarus and, and Martha. And Mary just seems like, y'all can relate to this. Mary seems like she was just that perfect sibling. Does anybody have that sibling that just can never do anything wrong? It's like, I know you did wrong. Like, I know you did wrong, but in their parents' eyes, man, they walk on water, am I right? Like, they never do anything wrong. I never did anything wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she, yeah, I got a lot of laughs in here for that one. But uh, she was just like, I guess she was the golden child. Uh, she was the parents' favorite. Uh, she definitely was the favorite child of the family. Now, I have three siblings. I have two sisters and a brother. Uh, and I, I, can, I can humbly say that I was not the favorite. I don't think 
I was the favorite child, but I might have been second. I might have been second. I won't say who was first in my family, but I'm gonna hold on to the fact that I was the second favorite at least. I did a little wrong, but I wasn't the worst child, I guess, maybe. Uh, that's debatable. That's debatable. But she just seemed like she, she didn't do anything. She always was focused on the right things. Like she was always doing what she needed to be doing. She was always doing the right thing. We see in Luke 10, uh, where, where uh, Jesus is in their home again, Mary and Martha's home again, and Martha is serving, and she's slaving away at serving people, and then she gets mad at Jesus because she, he hasn't told Mary to help her in the kitchen, and, Mary, and Jesus looks at her, and he's like, she's sitting at my feet. Listen, she's doing exactly what she needs to be doing. So Mary just seems like she was doing the right thing all the time, as far as we see. I guess we didn't see deeper into that family, but she just was focused on the right thing, and that was Jesus. She was focused on doing the right thing, and she was focused on just listening to God and serving God. She was focused on the right things, and she teaches us two great lessons that I think we can pull from to live with significance in our life. If we want to take people to eternity with us, we have to live with significance. And she teaches us two lessons on how to do that. So the, uh, the first lesson that we learn from Mary in this story is that we should generously give to others. We should generously give to others. In John 12, uh, we see Mary give generously to Jesus. It said this in verse three through five. It says, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed the feet, uh, Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume is worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. So here we have Mary while at dinner with Jesus and her siblings, take a jar of perfume and anoint the feet of Jesus. And she, and she wipes her hair, her, Jesus's feet with her hair. Now, I don't have any hair, so this is me wiping, using my hair <laughs> to, to wipe the feet. She gets on her hands and feet, and, 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 hands and knees, and, and gives to Jesus. And she washes Jesus, and she anoints Jesus's feet with this perfume. And I, I don't really think as we read this story, uh, if you just read through it and just kind of keep passing, that we understand the magnitude of this story and understand the magnitude of Mary, what Mary just did in this story, the magnitude of her generosity. Because we see in verse five that Judas, who would later betray Jesus, said that that perfume was worth a year's wages. A year's wages. Now, if my wife who's right here on the front row, had a year's wages worth of perfume. I'd be like, how did, how did this even happen? How did we get this? Like, how, how is this worth this much? Uh, or how is this cologne worth this much? I can't imagine having a year's wages worth of perfume or, or cologne. But I did some research uh, online the other day, and it said the average annual salary in Georgia is about 50000 to $55,000. So, if for this story and for today, let's just imagine that this bottle of perfume was worth $50,000, a year's wages to some people, and it was a year's wages in this time. And this, and this, this giving and generosity was so 
uh, was so uh, more than just what we read about. It, it, was, it was this humble submission that Mary was giving to Jesus, and she was getting on her hands and her knees and, and anointing Jesus' feet and giving of what she had to Jesus. She gave of a, of a perfume that could have been used to sell, and she could have used it to sell, sell it in the marketplace, and then she could have invested it and it make more money and more, make more money, but she gave generously to Jesus. The magnitude of Mary's generous heart is on full display right here in this story. It's not about the perfume, keeping the perfume for herself or to gain more money in her life. It's not about uh, what, what Jesus could do for her, but it's about giving back to Jesus generously because of the love that he has for her. Her response, her, her initial response was to get on her knees and, and to give generously to Jesus. I've often heard, and you probably have heard this too, that it's better to have an open hand than a closed fist. Anybody else heard that? It's better to have an open hand than a closed fist. An open hand gives generously to people. It gives generously to others. An open hand sees what they have what they have in their life as not their own. They see it as God's given to them. So they have an open hand and an open heart to give generously to others. God can use an open hand to make a significant, unimaginable impact in our world. If we just have this open hand to give generously to others, to see the hurting and to see the broken and say, I'm gonna give generously to that person. I'm gonna have an open hand and give generously to that person. God can use an open hand, but a closed fist. What does a closed fist say? Naturally, if, if someone came up to me, if Alex right here on the front row came up to me with a closed fist, I would take that as an act of aggression. Uh, a closed fist is closed off to, to the hurting in the broken. A closed fist is saying what I have is mine and mine alone. And I've done, I've accomplished this. And so I'm keeping it for myself. Or it's this also this act of aggression saying, you can't take what's mine and I'm keeping what's mine. I'm holding on to what's mine. It's, It's this not this is this opposite of the heart of God is for us to have a closed fist to the hurting and the broken. But an open hand, an open hand, God can use you to do a powerful, powerful work in someone's life. Someone, has, someone that has an open hand can give generously to others. God can use an open hand to meet needs and to see needs and meet needs in our lives, in our daily lives. Uh, God can use an open hand to do unimaginable, make an unimaginable difference in this world. But what else is amazing about an open hand. Now, if you know, uh, open hand, you can give, but then also if you have an open hand, you're open to receiving. You're open to, open to God giving and blessing you and receiving more from God. It says this in Acts verse 20, verse 35. It says, it is more, more blessed to give than it is to receive. Isn't that a coincidence that as we give, we become more blessed? So not only as we're giving, we're actually receiving blessings from God as we're giving. So as we have an open hand of generosity to others, God is able to bless the giver. The, the God says, the Bible says, in the, it says in the Bible that 
God loves a cheerful giver. It says in Malachi 3 that as we give generously, at God's response, he will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing in our lives that we will not have enough room to store it. God can use an open hand and a life and a heart that is open to giving generously to others. God can use an open hand and someone that gives generously to change generations in families. God can use an open hand and someone that gives generously to change lives and for hearts to experience the love of God and they be turned to him in their life uh, fulfilled through God and they, they, they enter into a relationship with him and start running the race to eternity. God can use an open hand, and he can also use an open hand to bless you, the giver. And don't get me wrong, this isn't a message at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the message where I'm gonna say, hey, get out your checkbooks. You know, I want you to give above and beyond your tithes and offering. If God can use you in that way, that's incredible. And God's called you that way, that's incredible. But it's more about how God can use your, your daily life and all of your life to, to make a difference in this world, not just money. There's multiple ways that you can, God can use you to make a difference and for you to give generously to others. We can give of our resources. We see it in John 12, that Mary had a jar of perfume and that's what she gave. Her response to Jesus was to give of what she had and she had resources so that she, so she in turn gave of those resources generously to others. There's people in this room that have more resources maybe than you know what to do with. And God wants to use you uh, to, to bless others. And God wants you to use you uh, to see needs and meet needs. There's people uh, in this world that, that need help and are in need and need resources, and you have the ability. And God can use your resources to give generously to others so that they can be blessed and you can meet needs and they, their needs can be met. Uh, we can give of our time. One of the greatest things that we have is our time. And, and people need us to invest time into their life. Uh, as a youth pastor, I used to say that I want to reach, reach students, invest in students, and disciple students. Because in order to disciple them, I believe that I needed to first reach them. I needed to, hey, my name's Aaron. I needed to know their name. But then I needed to invest in them. I needed to invest relationally. I needed to invest time. I needed to go to their ball games and sporting events or their plays. Uh, I needed to invest time into their life so that I could eventually disciple them in the word of God. And there's people in this world that need you to invest time into them. Not just your children and your family. That's very, very important. But there's people on your job sites there's people that are younger than you and young people. There's people that are older than you that need you to invest time into their life relationally. And, and God can use that. God can use that to change lives and to uh, meet needs that are needed in people's life. And God can use your wisdom in your knowledge. God can use your wisdom and knowledge to help transform someone's life. It can, it can, God can use you to speak into someone's life and say, hey, I went down that path it led to destruction. I have some experience in this. I think you should go this way, and it most likely will turn out this. God can use your wisdom and knowledge to mentor people and so that they can be raised up and they can be guided along their path towards Jesus. God can use your wisdom and your knowledge. There are people uh, in this world that need this. They need your wisdom. They need your knowledge. They need your time. They need 
and need some money. They need uh, some resources, and God can use you to bless you, bless them. I'm standing here today because there's been people that along my path have invested time, have invested resources, have invested knowledge and, and wisdom, have invested money so that I can fulfill my calling on my life so that I can be on a path towards Jesus and a path towards eternity. And just the same with you. People need you. People need you uh, to, to give generously to them. People need the love of God in you. We have the ability to make a difference in people's lives and in this world and live with significance by generously giving giving to others. Let us be a people. Let us be a people that have an open hand. Let us be a people that see needs and meets needs and finds ways to meet needs. Let us be a people that gives generously. Let us be a church that our community looks to and says, man, that is one of the most generous churches I've ever been to or I've ever seen. They give generously to others without expecting anything in return. Let us be a people of God that says, I want to be an open hand to others so God can use me to meet needs and God can use me to bless others. Let us be let us be a people that give generously to people in our daily lives. So the first lesson that we learned from Mary in John 12 is that we should generously give to others. If you go back in our story today in John 12, uh, you see a verse in verse three uh, where it says again, it says, Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus's feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. So the second lesson we learned from Mary on how to live with significance in our lives is, is that we should passionately serve others. We should passionately serve others. Mary in this story passionately served Jesus. She saw serving Jesus and getting down on her hands and her knees to anoint his feet with perfume and to wipe uh, his feet with her hair as her response to Jesus's love for her, as her response to the love that she had experienced from Jesus to her, as her response of what she should do for Jesus. She saw it as her response. One of our responses, one of your responses to God's love to you should be to passionately serve others. It's probably honestly one of the most practical ways that you can show people love is to, to, to serve them. It's probably one of the practical ways that you on your daily life could live with significance is to have a heart of service. And I love in this story that it's descriptive in stating that Mary got down on her knees and served Jesus. She got down on her knees and served Jesus. What is it what is it about that posture that is so meaningful on, 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 on her knees to serve Jesus? What is it about the posture of, of getting on her knees? Because we saw it before that Jesus sat at the feet of Jesus. She was on her knees at the feet of Jesus. Uh, what is it about that posture that is so meaningful? And I think it's this. It's an, it's an extreme act of humility that goes against all cultural norms it's an act of humility where it says that this person I'm serving is more important than myself. I care more for the needs of this person I'm serving than the wants and desires of my life. 
I, I'm putting myself and putting yourself at a low position while the other person is at this higher position. It, in our culture today, uh, humility really isn't celebrated much. Uh, if you go, if you turn on the news, you don't really hear stories about, man, that leader is so humble, uh, just doesn't take credit for all the work and work that was accomplished, doesn't, uh, doesn't you know, uh, point, point to the pastor, as you've heard. Uh, uh, some people say, like, they don't point to others uh, and, and give them credit. You see a lot of times on the news that it's like, man, look how great they are. Look what they've accomplished. And those people are saying, hey, look what I've accomplished. Look what I did. You know, they don't, they don't really promote humility a lot of times. It's pretty countercultural. But uh, we continually see that humility a lot of times isn't celebrated a lot of times. A person with humility looks outwards towards others and their needs before they look inwards to their wants and their desires. I'm gonna say that again so we don't miss it. A person with humility looks outwards towards others and their needs before they look inwards towards their wants and their desires. It's putting yourself at this low position while humbly serving others. It's putting yourself at a low position and saying, I'm caring for the needs of others more than I'm caring for my wants and my desires. It's humbly submitting to that person and caring for them. We see Jesus, the Son of God, uh, the Messiah. We see Jesus in the next chapter in John, in John 13, and in the following chapter, we see Jesus serve his disciples and teach us to live this out and live with significance. We see Jesus be an example in John 13. In John 13, it says that Jesus and his disciples were at supper one night and Jesus got up from supper, got up from the table. He took up, took off his outer garments. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and he got down on his knees and he went around and he washed his disciples' feet. Picture that with me for a second, that Jesus, the son of God, the, 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 the son of God that he sent to be, uh, the, bring reconciliation to this world, to die on the cross for our sins. Uh, he sent him, and Jesus gets on his knees and starts serving his disciples and starts washing the, the, the feet of his disciples. Now, in this time, I'm assuming, and probably you do too, they don't have shoes during this time. I mean, they're not having boots or Nike Air Max shoes that they just walk around and concrete, uh, concrete roadways that they're just walking on the whole time. So they're walking in sandals or they're walking barefoot. And so the disciples' feet must have been so dirty and, and probably haven't been washed in days or weeks. And, and Jesus, in, in his humility, gets down on his knees and just starts washing the feet of, of, the, of his disciples and, and serving them in this way. And it says this in John 13, 12 through 15, that when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he, and he asked this and said this, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. This is how we should live 
our lives. This is an example that Jesus taught of how we make an impact on this world, how we make a difference in this world, how we point people to Jesus and take people uh, to eternity with us is by serving others and being this humble servant to others. It's the example from Jesus of how we should live our lives and how we should make an impact in our world. It's, it's an example of Jesus of, uh, if you remember again, the rope that, that Pastor Carson used last week, how we should live our lives in that red portion and, and how we make an impact and difference in this world. How many marriages would change in this room or in this world if spouses just shifted their focus on just serving their spouse? How many marriages would change if you in, in your marriage would just say, I'm, I'm not gonna worry that my spouse didn't do the dishes or miss trash day. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna worry about the, my spouse's shortcomings in their life, but I'm just going to humbly serve my spouse. How many marriages like, would be restored if each spouse said, I'm gonna serve my spouse? I mean, it's, it's against, against uh, cultural norms to just be a servant continually. And I'm sure like spouses would be like, what in the world is going on? Like what happened to you? Man, marriages would change if we just just decided to serve our spouse. How many families would change if family members just decided to start serving other family members? If they started serving their, if your parent in the room started serving your children, if you started serving your siblings, if you started serving your parents, if you started serving, bear with me, your in-laws, and you started serving them, and caring for them and saying, I'm submitting to God and humbly serving them. I'm, I'm, I'm putting their needs above my wants and my desires, and I'm just going to serve them. I believe God will change families for generations and generations to come if there was a people that just said, I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to care for your needs, and I'm going to see the need in my family, and I'm just going to serve, 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 and ask for nothing in return. How many work environments would change if we decided that instead of maybe complaining about our, our work environment or, or complaining about our coworkers or our boss, if we just decided to say, I'm going to serve everybody that I come into contact with on my job. I'm gonna serve the, the kids that I teach. I'm gonna serve the coworkers on my job. I'm gonna serve my boss. I believe God would bless that that worker and bless you on your job if you just said, I'm just gonna continually serve. I'm gonna do my job, but then I'm just gonna serve people. I'm gonna care for their needs. I'm gonna care for their wants and their desires. I'm gonna serve people. I believe God would promote some people uh, in this world if they just took on that servant uh, servant mindset and servant life. We have the ability to make a difference in this world. We have the ability to make a difference in people's lives if we would just passionately serve others, if we would just humble ourselves and see ourselves as a servant to others and just serve people and serve them well and, and share the love of God of how, through how we serve them and how we care for them. God wants us to passionately serve others. So the second lesson that we learned from Mary in John 12 is that we should passionately serve others. In closing today, I'm gonna close with this. In Matthew 20, verse 26 through 28, Jesus says this. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Not be last, not be second, not be third, be your slave. Just as the son of God and the son of man 
did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We learn from Jesus that whoever wants to make a significance in this world and live a life of significance in in this world has to passionately serve others, has to generously, generously give to others. We see even Jesus say that he didn't come to be served, but to humble himself and to serve others. We see that even Jesus say that he didn't come to receive, but to give. He gave his life as a ransom for us in our sins, for each and every one in this room. And that should be the example that we follow. The person that made the biggest impact in this world, Jesus Christ, the person that, that changed lives, the person that lived with, the, the, with, lived with significance in their life, Jesus is teaching us that we should follow this example of serving others and giving generously to others. I believe that when we do so, that people will experience the love of God and they will experience the presence of God and their hearts will be changed and they have an opportunity to submit their life to God and choose for God to choose to follow God with their life and ultimately start running the race of faith in their life and they'll end up in eternity with us. God has called us to this. He has called us to live with significance. He has called us to make a difference. He has called us to serve others. He has called us to give generously. So let us be a people that have open hands and open hearts and says, I'm gonna serve people well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give generously to people. I'm gonna care for people's needs that are hurting and broken. I'm gonna care for the person on my job side. I'm gonna care for my spouse and my family members and I'm gonna serve them and I'm gonna give generously through not just money, but time and resources and wisdom and knowledge. And I'm just gonna give and not expect anything in return. And I'm just gonna give God the glory and point people to Jesus. If we just were a church and a people that just said, I just wanna serve people and love people and give generously, the people that would come to know God is just unimaginable to me. The people in our community that would, their lives would be changed is just unimaginable, unimaginable to me. God can use us and use our church and use you wherever you're at to make a difference and make an impact just like Jesus did, that lives would come to know Jesus. Lives would come to follow God. And that's what we're called to do. That's what he's calling you to do today. He's calling you to, to, to take a step, to live with significance in your life, to serve others, to care for others, to point people to Jesus, to take people with us to eternity. That's what we're called to do. So let's make an impact today. Every head bowed and eyes closed today. If you're in this room today, you may, you may want to live with significance, but you've never given your life to God. You, you, you want to take the step of faith and live with significance in your life, but you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, and, and today is the day for you for salvation. We, we, want, we want to give you the opportunity for you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior into your heart. So today, if you've never given your life to God and you would say, today is my day that I need to submit to him. Maybe it's a recommitment to him. If you would say, today is my day, would you just lift your hands and you want to commit your life to God today? Would you just lift your hand? Amen. Amen. And then today, if you would say, I want to live with significance. 
significance. I want, I want my life to make a difference. I want, I want to start serving people. I want to start giving generously to people. I may not have the money or the resources, but I have the time. I have the wisdom. I have the knowledge. And I want God to use me in a way to make a difference in this world. I want people to come to know him by how I live my life. If that is you today, would you just lift your hand? Amen. Many hands around this room. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you today. We thank you for this time, God, that we have together. God, I pray for each person in this room. God, I pray, God, that you would bless them. God, that you would use them. God, that as they follow you, God, that they would walk out their faith. God, that they would run after you, God, in all that they do. God, that their lives would be an example to others by how they live their life. God, that they would serve others and care for others and give generously to others. God, let us be a church, God. God, that gives generously to people, gives generously to the people of Canton and Cherokee County. God, it serves others well, that other, other places and other churches and other people in this community point to our church by how we live our lives. God, let us be a people of, of significance. Let us make an impact in this world, God. We thank you today. We praise you for the lives, God, that were given to you today. God, we pray, God, as they take this step, God, that they would encounter your presence, God, that they would submit to your will for their life. God, we thank you and we praise you and give you glory. And everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.